Welcome to Liquor and Liqueur Connoisseur, where I drink, discuss, and discover the world of distilled spirits. I'm your host, Matt Burchard. This is episode 40, and I'm drinking Grand Marnier. As a listener to Liquor and Liqueur Connoisseur podcast, you should expect that I will be well-researched and educational, entertaining, and consistent in my reviews. I chose to feature Grand Marnier for this episode because it's a top-shelf mainstay. The bottle shape alone is an icon, and I bet many people, myself included, could identify it based on the silhouette of the bottle alone. As one of the best-selling liqueurs in the world, I simply had to feature Grand Marnier. So the bottle I have is the standard 750 milliliters that it is sold in in the United States. It comes in other sizes, but this is the most common size. And it is 40% alcohol by volume, making it 80 proof. Retail price is about $45. And the bottle is truly iconic. One of the reasons is it has not changed in over 100 years, the design of the bottle. It's brown glass and shaped like a cognac still. This, of course, is because Grand Marnier is cognac-based, and it's made in France, in the cognac region of France specifically. A cognac still is a copper pot still, but it has a bulbous area above the boiler, and this is known as the still head. The still head is the shape that forms the neck of the bottle of Grand Marnier. Beyond the shape, the bottle is rather fancy itself. And while most people know of only one version of the product, simply referred to by the brand name, it is technically named Cordon Rouge, which is French for red ribbon. And each bottle of Grand Marnier features a red ribbon tied around the neck, and then it goes up underneath the label around the top pour spout area. Then it comes down across the shoulder or the face of the bottle where there's a wax seal pressed in over the ribbon. And then the ribbon tucks underneath the main front label. Originally, of course, this ribbon and wax would have been applied by hand, but it's been automated for quite some time. Although, as of a few years ago, the larger the Magnum bottles, they were still dressed by hand. One last note on the back label, it's noted along with the proof that it contains 51% cognac and 49% orange liqueur. There's still more to the bottle itself in the labeling, but I'll get to that after the tasting. Let's open the bottle. I try all spirits neat at room temperature. I'm using a clean Glencairn glass, which is a tulip-shaped glass designed for whiskey tasting originally. The bottle of Grand Marnier I received came in a gift pack, and it included two branded, authentic Glencairn glasses with the Grand Marnier logo on them. And trying the spirit neat is the best way to get the pure, authentic flavor. Okay, there's a zip strip at the top. Let's open this. I like to open bottles while I'm recording so that you, my listener, get the authentic first impression from them. So... Take the foil off and has a stopper, so maybe we'll get a nice little pop. Here we go. <laughs> yep, a synthetic topper with a little um, plastic cap. Ooh, that's nice. Okay, got my glass. Let's go for a pour. Nice and gurgly. In the glass, it's an orange amber color, it's very clear spirit. It's got some viscosity to it. It appears thicker than water and definitely coats the inside of the glass as you swirl it. On the nose, 
orange oil, definitely. It's citrus, but it's orange peel. It's not the juice of orange. That's the the number one thing I pick up. At 80 proof, there is some of the ethanol you can feel when you inhale. Let me... Yeah, orange peel is the number one scent that I get off of it, just on the nose. It, it smells rich. It's There's some complexness there. It's not, you know, like an orange cleaning product or anything, like an artificial orange scent that you might get. It's There's a greenness to it, I guess is a way to describe it. And now for the taste. Mmm. That is rich. It's first and foremost, it's got a wonderful mouthfeel. It's very velvety orange flavor. It's not as bitter as it smells like it should be. I know it's got bitter orange in it, and I'll get to that when I get into production, but I'm going to go for another taste. It's a nice orange and a cognac flavor. The cognac is in the background. The orange is first and foremost. Then I get a nuttiness. A hazelnut is probably the the nut flavor I pick up. Some hint of vanilla and and toasted. Has a really nice long finish. Let's dive into the history. Grand Marnier has been owned by the Campari Group since only 2016. Prior to that, it was a sixth-generation family-owned and operated brand created in 1880 by the Manier Lapastol family. Manier Lapastol is still involved, and the family name and crest are still present on the bottle, featured on the foil cap and the waxed seal on the front of the bottle. The back label provides a decent jumping-off point for the history, if you can read the tiny text, that is. But it reads... Grand Marnier is a liqueur made from a unique blend of cognac and a liqueur of exotic bitter oranges. It has been crafted in the cognac region of France with the same care and passion since its inception in 1880. Smooth and balanced with a subtle and distinctive flavor. Grand Marnier Cordon Rouge mixes perfectly in grand cocktails, such as the Grand Sidecar, but also shines on its own, neat or on the rocks. With its historical links to the cognac region, where it is manufactured, and to Paris, its headquarters, Grand Marnier has been a landmark of French style around the world for over 100 years. So, 1880 is when Grand Marnier was launched, but the neck of the bottle features the date 1827. The full text reads, Maison fondée à 1827, France, Marnier l'Apostole. This is a reference to the distilling heritage that gave rise to Grand Marnier a half-century after their founding. Jean-Baptiste L'Apostole opened the first distillery in a small city outside of Paris in 1827 to distill eau de vie, or fruit brandies and liqueurs. The Grand, or Grand, didn't enter the picture until 1876 when Julia, the granddaughter of Jean-Baptiste, married the man who would create Grand Marnier, Louis-Alexandre Marnier. Through the marriage, they formed La Maison Marnier L'Apostole. And for those like myself who don't speak French, maison translates to house. It's a common term used for distilled spirits, wines, and fashion companies to refer to the company as the house of. Louis-Alexandre Manier must have dove headfirst into the family business because Grand Manier themselves describe on their website that he had the 
eccentric idea to combine cognac with a rare variety of Caribbean bitter orange. And that was the start of Grand Marnier. In the late 1870s and early 1880s, oranges were one of the most exotic and prized fruits in Europe. They were hard to get and a real luxury. And it seemed the perfect match for cognac. The idea for an orange liqueur based on cognac may not have been unique to Marnier, however. Back in episode 25, I featured Mandrahin Napoleon, or Mandarin Napoleon, which itself is a blend of cognac and oranges, Mandarin specifically, which became commercially available in 1892, a dozen years after Grand Marnier. However, Mandarin Napoleon is said to have been based on a recipe Napoleon himself enjoyed seven decades prior. Also, orange liqueurs, unblended with cognac or brandy, were present prior to Grand Marnier's introduction. Curacao is regarded to be the oldest, first made by the Dutch on the island of Curacao in the Caribbean, using the peel of the bitter Laraja orange. Some claim that Curacao existed as early as the 1600s. Then there's Triple Sec, which is a drier, or less sweet, version of Curacao, claimed to have been invented in the mid-1870s by both Combier and Cointreau, two other French distillers. And essentially, the bitter orange liqueur that Grand Marnier makes and states to be 49% of the content of their spirit is a Curacao or sweetened Triple Sec. In fact, before Grand Marnier was named Grand Marnier, the very early bottles were labeled as Curacao Marnier. So all this is to say that no cognac-based orange-flavored liqueur appears to have been made at the time. The use of orange flavor, and bitter orange at that, was not unheard of. Two French distillers, Combier and Cointreau, claim to have been making it when Louis-Alexandre Marnier married Julia L'Apostole. The genius or eccentric idea was to combine the fine French eau de vie with the orange liqueur, and none have been as successful as Grand Marnier. Grand Marnier was positioned as a premium spirit from the start. While the concept of top shelf may not have existed in the sense we know it today, Curacao Marnier was quickly renamed Grand Marnier at the suggestion of a famous friend of Louis Alexandre. Sometimes described as the grandfather of Grand Marnier, this famous friend was César Ritz, founder of the Hotel Ritz in Paris. He reportedly came up with the name Grand Marnier as a grand name for a grand liqueur. He also became what I'd call the first brand ambassador. Grand Marnier was served at the Ritz. Louis-Alexandre Marnier aided César Ritz in opening the Ritz Hotel in 1892 after more than a decade running the Savoy Hotel in London. The Savoy would also go on to feature Grand Marnier in their bar and restaurants early on. It's in the same year, 1892, that Grand Marnier trademarked their iconic bottle, shaped like the cognac still, with the red ribbon and wax seal. It's remained unchanged, except for minor production updates, ever since. The decades after Grand Marnier was invented until the First World War were referred to as La Belle Epoque, a decadent and optimistic time when French culture shined and Grand Marnier became established. They survived the war and in 1927 embraced current culture and launched a line of commemorative bottles designed by artists in the Art Nouveau style. These unique bottles were in celebration of the 100-year anniversary of La Maison, or the original distillery founded by Jean-Baptiste L'Apostole. Grand Marnier stayed steady through the following decades, surviving another world war and continuing on as they had done before. 
It wasn't until the 1980s that the brand really expanded its reach, and they grew substantially by embracing cocktails in the United States in particular, the birthplace of cocktail culture. The cocktail in particular that cemented their position on every back bar in the U.S., Grand Marnier now refers to as the Grand Margarita. But in the 1980s, it was better known by another name. I'll tell you more about cocktails and consumption after production, but suffice it to say, Grand Marnier was here to stay. By 2013, Grand Marnier was globally the third most valuable liqueur brand and was the top-ranked liqueur exported from France for 25 years running. It sold in more than 150 countries, and this success attracted the attention of the Campari Group, who made their largest acquisition when they agreed to buy out the Société de Produce Manier La Pastole for about 760 million U.S. dollars, which was a 60% premium over what Grand Marnier was trading for on the French stock exchange. This agreement was described as a friendly takeover. Grand Marnier became part of Campari's global priorities portfolio, which includes Aperol, Campari, Sky Vodka, and the Wild Turkey brands. In fiscal year 2019, Campari Group had revenues of about 1.85 billion euro, or right about 2 billion US dollars. Grand Marnier made up 7.3% of that total, putting it fifth in value for Campari Group behind Aperol, which had 18.3% share, Campari at 10%, Wild Turkey at 7.9%, and Sky Vodka at 7.8%. During the COVID-19 pandemic, which is still running rampant throughout the U.S. at the time of this recording, Grand Marnier sales have outperformed the average in the U.S., telling me that Campari's global priorities brand, indeed, are priorities. I'll say that if gift packs have anything to do with it, they knock this one out of the park for value. I received two Grand Marnier branded authentic Glencairn glasses with my 750 milliliter bottle for the retail price of a naked bottle. This is the benefit of living in a control state. I'm in Oregon, which is one of 17 U.S. states where the government controls the sale and distribution of distilled spirits. In the case of Oregon, this means price fixing statewide and the added benefit that seasonal gift packs indeed are gifts selling for the price of the spirit alone, assigning no monetary value to the items co-packed with it. The street value for an authentic Glencairn is about 12 bucks. I think I paid 13 for a set I bought recently. So my gift pack had a bonus of at least 24 or $25. That's better than half the cost of Grand Marnier itself. So I'm happy. Let's switch gears to how it's made. Grand Marnier is a product of France. It's still made in the Cognac region of France with selected Cognacs. I've been on a bit of a cognac streak with the previous two episodes featuring them. For more detail on cognac itself, listen to episode 38 on Remy Martin, VSOP, Fine Champagne Cognac. But for Grand Marnier, they follow the cognac tradition in buying new spirit distilled wine from the Ougnin Blanc grapes grown in the cognac crew. There are some 5,000 independent cognac producers. And these growers, distillers, harvest the grapes in the fall, press them to extract the juice, ferment it, create a wine, then distill in a cognac still to produce an eau de vie. The Grand Marnier Cellar Master, who is the person in charge of ensuring quality and consistency over time, selects the new spirits to buy, and then Grand Marnier ages the cognacs themselves. They are aged in French limousine oak barrels and vats, which are very large barrels, essentially. The oak trees have to be at least 100 years old, but are often 125 
when they're felled to produce the right staves or the pieces of wood for the coopers to build barrels from. The logs are first sun-dried, then split into the staves that are neatly stacked and dried for several years outdoors. These seasoned oak staves are then shaped into the vessels for Grand Marnier's cognac. The process includes a light toasting on the inside of the barrel. The new eau de vie is barreled and then time creates cognac, aging for years or decades. It's said that Maison Manier La Pastole has some cognacs as old as 1906, or they did before Campari bought them out. Cognac that old is reserved for very special blends and additions. The cellar master selects aged cognacs based upon the flavor profile required for the quality and consistency of the product once aged. The cognac makes up 51% of what's in the bottle, but the other 49% is the bitter orange liqueur. The orange peels are sourced from Haiti, and it's only the sun-dried green peels that are imported. The variety of orange is the bitter Seville orange that was introduced to the Caribbean by the Spanish in the mid-1500s. Burlap sacks by the container load are shipped to France where the peels are macerated or soaked in alcohol to extract the essential oils and essence of the bitter orange flavor. This process starts with rehydration with water, inspections and quality control, then soaking in alcohol for three weeks. The maceration is distilled to a very high proof. To the finished orange liqueur, some caramel color is added and some water as well. It's then blended with the selected cognac. The blend is left to marry together in a vat for a period of time. Once sufficiently married, the blend is filtered to help improve clarity and remove impurities. Samples are analyzed in Grand Marnier's in-house lab and measured for color and turbidity, or clarity. After the lab tests, taste testers check samples to ensure Grand Marnier passes muster on the nose and on the palate, compared against known approved samples and relying upon the taster's extensive knowledge of the product. Once approved, it's off to bottling. In mid-2016, around the time Campari was acquiring the brand, the trip to the bottling plant involved a Grand Marnier tanker truck leaving the distillation and blending facility. This is a full-size truck like you might see filled with milk or oil, but it was finished cordon rouge. Bottling, as I mentioned earlier, is done by machine, including tying the ribbons and the melted wax seal. And voila, Grand Marnier cordon rouge. Let's move on to cocktails and consumption. As the back label says, Grand Marnier is great neat or on the rocks. It is also a key ingredient in the sidecar cocktail, but the alternate name for the Grand Margarita that brought growth to the U.S. in the 1980s, that was the Cadillac Margarita. In the 1980s, Cadillac still reigned supreme as an American luxury car. They were expensive, and with Grand Marnier's price point, if you wanted an expensive upgraded margarita, you'd order a Cadillac Margarita, and they'd substitute Grand Marnier for the Cointreau or generic triple sec. Often served as a float on top, the color of Grand Marnier helped ensure the bar patron received the top shelf spirit they paid for. In fact, in my bartending days in the late 1990s, I recall in bartending school, and yes, I went to bartending school, more on that some other time, but I recall in bartending school being taught to serve the Grand Marnier on the side, allowing the bar patron to pour it into the margarita themselves, further emphasizing the expense and quality of the spirit. My hunch is Grand Marnier refers to it as the Grand Margarita to avoid brand names that they don't own. Beyond drinks, Grand Marnier is a great ingredient for cooking, and it works well in everything from souffle to flambe. Recipes abound. So in summary, what do I think of Grand Marnier? Honestly, it's great. I have had it infrequently when out at bars. It's 
rather expensive if you're ordering it, but uh, even at the liquor store at $45 for a 750 milliliter, it's at the top end of an orange liqueur, especially when you can get a passable bottle of generic triple sec for, I don't know, five to eight bucks off the bottom shelf. It's not really a good comparison though, because Grand Marnier, this is special. It's got a really good mouthfeel. You can tell there's quality in it. It's iconic. You should have a bottle on your bar. It really upgrades your cocktails. And if you're not gonna drink a lot, drink well. Buy the best spirits you can afford that have good quality. Don't buy just expensive brands because they're expensive. That's stupid, but that's tale for another day. Uh, but Grand Marnier, it's, it's worth the price. It's highly valued. It's still made in the tradition it has always been. Campari Group is a good steward of the brand. Yeah, it's good. I like it. I'm glad I got a bottle and I'm really stoked that I got a matching set of Glencairns with it as well. So that's going to do it for this episode of Liquor in the Core Connoisseur. I'm your host, Matt Burchard. Please subscribe and share. Tell your friends. Show notes are on liquorinthecoreconnoisseur.com. You can find the show on your favorite podcast platforms. I'm active on social media, primarily Instagram and Facebook. I love hearing from my listeners, so please leave me your feedback. And as always, thank you for listening.